Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I'm getting a lot Andy, more uh, white hairs these days. Dude, I'm, I'm 37. Dalton, I'm, how, start, how, I'm starting to get white hairs on my arms. It's terrible. Oh, I just turned 40. Wow. Well, you look like you look hot as for yeah, yeah no i'm old it's this is 40 for me yeah it's old man it's bad times um <laughs> all right that's going in the open right there oh god <laughs> yahoo fantasy football forecast i like doing it you know i love running routes we better be in florida it better be sunny and there better be some sort of fruity drink involved with matt Harmon. it seems like you know ball the way you talk so <laughs> thank you someone clip that Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad queso. I've never had no bad queso, really. It's, wait for it, Stat Nerd Thursday. That's right, for another season. I've got Dalton Deldon riding shotgun with me while we use stats and, you know, uh, narratives, all kinds of stuff, to pretend like we know why things are happening and what might happen in the future. Dalton, this is one of my favorite shows that we do on a weekly basis and i'm so happy you're here for it what's up man i'm looking forward to it all season and i'm really looking forward to the season actually starting a lot of talk all summer long finally week one so yeah i'm fired up too yes absolutely i i talked to derrick henry for a name drop wow tough tough look for me but i took derrick henry for a video for the site I think it was yesterday and I was just like dude are you I mean you're talking to me like three days before your season starts you've got to be feeling like 10 times what I'm feeling which is like let's just get this started already so let's just get this podcast started we are going to dive into the Thursday night opener preview that'll be great we're going to dive into all of our stats that we collected but first we do have some news to get to starting with the bills signed tight end Dawson Knox to a four year contract extension. Uh, according to a variety of sources, this makes him, I think, I think like actually sixth in average salary per year for tight ends. Um, Dalton, this one kind of caught me off guard a little bit um, just because it's so close to the start of the season. You would have thought this would get done over the summer. And, but at, at the same time, it did make me kind of double back to, I think Dawson Knox like outside of the top guys is the tight end I've drafted most this off season. And I, I hate to, to bring it back to Gabe Davis for the hundredth time. And we'll talk more Gabe Davis uh, in, in the preview uh, for Rams and bills later. But I feel like if anybody is going to crush the hopes and dreams of Gabe Davis, having a big breakout, it's actually not Isaiah McKenzie, even though I'm, I'm still in on McKenzie, it actually could really end up being Dawson Knox. 
Oh, you're, you are right because of the red zone issues. I mean, Knox, I think he tied for the league lead among tight ends and touchdowns last year with nine, and he missed two games, and that was with Josh Allen. He has, like, the lowest target rate to tight ends among QBs the last five years. He just goes crazy over the receivers, both uh, on the slot and outside. But despite that, he's still just a beast in the red zone, and he's young in his prime. And I moved him right behind. Basically, there's the big six at tight end, and I think Dallas Goddard maybe makes it a big seven. And then it's right there. Whether if you're in full PPR, you want to go Cole Komet, uh, half PPR, go go Knox right there, right thin and there. And, and, and an offense that passes relentlessly, led in pass rate over expectation last year. So, yeah, I think I, I like Knox and a good move by the Bills. Yeah, hundred percent. We have him ranked the same. Uh, the same uh, we do. We do with with Dawson Knox. Or I've got him right after Dallas Goddard. Um, I, I think that Goddard, frankly, like Schultz, I think is close to these guys too. I know uh, other people like Schultz more than me, but I just think you know from a from a compiler standpoint, definitely Schultz is going to get there. I, I will say this though too. Like, if, if we're thinking about tight ends and like tight ends we typically think they break out the farther they are into their career all that type of stuff whatever this archetype of player that Dawson Knox is 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 that type of guy right I mean last year took 41.7 percent of his snaps from the slot he lined up out wide on almost 13 percent he was really only a true inline percent inline tight end like 37 percent of his snaps like this is the type of guy from an athletic standpoint from a size standpoint that you want to like bet on having a breakout season right around that second contract time he's now officially on his second contract i don't know I, i've just drafted a lot of dawson knox this year and i'm really excited and this this one just like, like seeing this contract almost just sort of solidified to me that he is going to be a big part of the team's plans this year just to hammer home the touchdowns, man, I keep I love this stat. I mean, Josh Allen attempted 65 passes in the end zone last year. No other quarterback attempted more than 50. So it's not it's not an accident that these guys are going to catch a lot of touchdowns, including my guy Gabe, but also Knox. I mean, he's right there, should be among the favorites to lead the league in touchdowns again uh, among tight ends. Yeah. Uh, just a just a good player, and I think is man this whole Bills offense. We're gonna talk about it later. Uh, it, it, it's a really fun group. This one comes in from Nola.com's Jeff Duncan. Michael Thomas appears to be on track to play in Week One against the Falcons. I feel like Dalton, we've we've talked you and I, and and, and we're both sort of like in line with consensus on Michael Thomas. I I don't love that he's coming in with this hamstring injury, but like Week One against the Falcons. If Michael Thomas is out there and you drafted him on a team, and I actually thinking about it, like managed leagues, I'm not sure I, I have a Michael Thomas team, but if I did, I'd, I'd feel pretty good about playing him in week one. Yeah, definitely. If he's out there, you drafted him to play him for 100%. You're starting him in this matchup. And who knows the rookie Alave and there's no real tight end to speak of. So yeah, if Thomas is out there, you're, you're starting him in your fantasy lineups. All right, well, uh, Zach Wilson not going to be starting for the Jets for a minute. It's been official uh, that Joe Flacco is going to start on Sunday versus the Ravens. Talk about a revenge game. Um, but Zach Wilson's actually not going to play until week four, quote, at the earliest, according to Robert Sala. Um, they, the Jets want him to be at his best physically and mentally before playing. That's something that you and I have talked about, that he's lost a lot of prep time, like in the offseason. Now that has Zach Wilson because of this injury. But, I mean, I, I know that you and I – feel pretty good about uh, Joe Flacco and, you know, his on-field dynamic with uh, Elijah Moore. But it, it's it's kind of a bummer that Zach Wilson's going to miss so much time. But really, if you're an Elijah Moore backer, I don't think it moves the needle that much. It's 100% a bummer for football fans. We got to actually see what a healthy Zach Wilson can do, especially with these uh, new receivers to throw to. Um, but for fantasy terms, maybe even real life too, 
Um, it maybe makes the Jets more interesting in, in the short term. I mean, it was a very small sample. I told you this backstage, but Joe Flacco led all quarterbacks in YPA 11.5 against man coverage last year. And the Ravens played their top five in man coverage. So the matchup here, and I'll give you just the silliest stats. Elijah Moore yards per route run with Zach Wilson last year, 0.79 with, without Zach Wilson, 2.92. <laughs> I mean, his yards per route run jumped 2.2 yards he was a, a I think the wide receiver four with Flacco and the wide receiver 84 with Zach Wilson so I've got a small sample and obviously we all expect Zach Wilson to be better but you say it may not be a big factor it actually might be a gigantic factor it's certainly before Zach Wilson improves you know the current version of him especially at having being compromised and having missed so much practice time so if I let's put it this way if I were both betting on the Jets and or Elijah Moore fantasy manager I'd be happy Flacco starting Sunday so you mean to tell me yards per route run is actually a quarterback stat? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Uh, that is just I'm wild, just though, right? I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, it, it is. It is nuts. I mean, the the difference there. I mean, obviously, when some of these other guys started getting in there, whether it was Mike White, whether it was Joe Flacco, even Josh Johnson had a cup of coffee for the Jets last year. Like that was kind of during Elijah Moore's post by rookie bump in general. A uh, shout out to Hayden Winks for for that term. Like that's when we started to see, start to see these rookie receivers get, get ramped up even more. So, but and like Elijah Moore was fine when, when Zach Wilson got back after the, after his injury, but still I, I agree with you. Like it might be a net upgrade just for, for Joe Flacco being out there. I mean, it, that, that stat a lot about the YPA, you know, against man coverage, the dolphins are, and we'll talk about this later. Are one of the few teams last year that, that played just a, a ton of man coverage. So, and Elijah Moore in reception perception is one of the best man coverage beaters from this rookie class last year. He's over that 75% threshold, which I talk about all the time. Like, those are the guys that become the stars in the NFL. Those are the guys that become elite players. Like one of my bold predictions for this year is that Elijah Moore finishes as a top 12 fantasy receiver. I mean, you're going to need a lot of, a lot to go right to get there, but like he's the type of player that you just want to bet on at some point. And it's a little bit of a close your eyes and like bet on talent with him this year, but I think it's a fine bet to make. And in week one, I'm, if you got Elijah Moore, like I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about starting him. I love to hear it because Elijah Moore, I have maybe the highest roster share among any player this year, possibly, or here, wow, Trey Lance, probably. But but I don't know if Trey Lance even counts. Uh, uh, but I'm a hypocrite here. I, you know, I'm avoiding uh, Terry McLaurin because I'm worried about the quarterback situation. The Jets have just as shaky, if not worse, more of a sh uh, questionable quarterback situation, yet I'm drafting Elijah Moore above ADP consistently. So I'm just, I just think he looks like a future superstar. I might as well start right now. Yeah. I think a lot of Elijah Moore's season two will depend on how Garrett Wilson comes along as well. I don't expect Garrett Wilson to play a big role in week one. He's another guy, like just like with Elijah Moore last year, we might see more from Garrett Wilson after the, his bye week. Like he gets that post by rookie bump. And like, I think that's when we might start seeing more. And maybe that comes at the expense of Corey Davis, but I, I Corey Davis a is a target more. share hog and Braxton Berrios mm -hmm. is, is an underrated PPR. If you're in a deep league, you're in a PPR Berrios is going to eat out of the slot, especially Zach Wilson, who, who was top three in target percentage of the slot last year. So Barry, so yeah, there's a lot of things going against my guy, Elijah Moore, the quarterback situation and legit target competition because Corey Davis earns targets when he's on the field. And yeah, Garrett Wilson drafted highly. So yeah, playing outdoors, yeah, I mean, with Zach Wilson, I mean, it's not ideal, but man, man, Elijah Moore, he, he, I just, I'm betting the talent wins in the yes. end. Yeah, that that really is what it is. If you're in on Elijah Moore this year, like, I don't think if you're like a pure spreadsheet bro, and as much as you and I are sitting here talking about like stat nerd Thursday and stuff, like I know neither one of us is a pure spreadsheet bro. Like you, if you're betting on Elijah Moore, you are making a bet on talent, which 
it doesn't always work out. Obviously, like there have been guys, like I mentioned, that 75% success rate versus man coverage number. Like there have been guys that have hit that, but then due to circumstances, don't break out. Um, Sterling Shepard's in the news. He's been a guy because of injuries ne- has never really had that big breakout season. Other examples would be uh, our guy Brandon Ayuk from last year, but we know that's coming this year. Uh, another example would be Curtis Samuel. I, I, he had a great season in 2020, but like it's it's been a bit of rocky road since then. Tyler Lockett, though, is like the king of an example of like sometimes it just takes a minute for the talent to catch up. I think that like, even if Elijah Moore doesn't break out this year, it's going to come at some point because he's just too damn good at football. And like that's just how these things go. All right, let's move on to this next one. Speaking on a podcast, Chris Godwin said, quote, I don't think any of us know that yet when asked if he was going to play in week one i can't remember the name of the podcast that makes me a bad podcast host so i'm sorry about that god went on to say i would imagine i have the final say it's going to come down to feel in the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter that much in terms of whether he's going to play week one i would love to be there for the entire season but i think what's more important is being there for the second half of the season this quote was interesting to me dalton we kind of just talked about mike evans the last time you and i got together and uh, you know really brought out our boxing gloves on the whole gabe davis mike evans thing and people love that i i that was really fun on social media and stuff like that but part of the you know if you're moving mike Mike Evans down. Part of that has to be that Chris Godwin is going to play more than expected. I feel like we still don't really know with with Chris Godwin, like when he's going to be fully ramped up. And I, I thought this was, he was the first guy I thought of when on the last episode of the podcast when I was talking with Austin Eckler about you know coming back. Austin was talking about coming back from his hamstring injury in 2020, and I mean ACL tear, hamstring injury, you know whatever, different injuries, but that it took him a a long time to feel like he was really right. You know, that like he was back out there, but he wasn't a hundred percent. I'm paraphrasing, obviously go back and listen to the episode for Austin's like real good in-depth thoughts on that. Um, But I don't know. Chris Godwin was the guy that I thought of. Like people think he's gonna be out there week one. He might be out there week one, but who knows when he's really going to be fully ramped up. He doesn't even know. God was like the opposite of me for Elijah Moore. Every time he would go in a fantasy draft, he wouldn't even wasn't on my radar yet. So, um, so especially week one, I'm looking at his uh, ECR is the wide receiver 28. I have him buried. It doesn't sound like he's going to play to me. He just removed the brace. That quote looks extremely pessimistic to me. They have no reason to rush. They're in an easy division, loaded at receiver, coming off knee surgery. There's a 0% chance I would use him unless it's like a 14-team fantasy league right away week one. I know this is a really nice setup in Dallas, one of the highest over-unders of the week, but you have to wait till Sunday night also. So, I mean, how are you going to count, see see if he's going to play? So, no, no, no. Just have plans on Godwin beyond week one would be my my advice here and I mean by the way Mike Evans a few things may have gone against me here if if, if Godwin's not ready and uh Julio Jones being named to the second team maybe that's just semantics or maybe it means he hasn't impressed in in the offseason and Russell Gage is still returning from an injury I'm still kind of dealing with an injury so right away Evans might might he could go crazy it's funny that both our guys are in prime time too Evans against Dallas yeah, and then yeah. right away Thursday night I'm just <laughs> waiting for Davis to flop because it's just perfect the guy I'm putting my you know most of my name on here is going to get the first First game with everyone watching. So I'm just waiting for the 10 targets, two, two catches, no, no, you know, 10, 10 scoreless yards. Just to make a note, it, it was the in the moment podcast with David Green that Chris Godwin said this on. It is funny. Like we're going to, there's a lot of guys like that. I'm so glad that Gabe Davis plays in the opener. Cause we'll get like an answer <laughs> right away on the whole Gabe Davis thing, which is, which is good. You're right though. The setup is, is great for Evans to go ham uh, against the Cowboys, you know, a pass defensive, Oh, and he has digs on him. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's great. I mean, that's awesome. Like, he may get an interception, but who cares? I mean, he's this bottom feeder yards per route run, right? 
A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think overall, just this Bucks offense, same thing with Chris Godwin too. We'll know a lot more about Godwin and where he's at after week one. And I know this is like crutch analysis, but it's, it's the truth of it. You know, we're sitting here on September 7th recording this podcast. Like we're going to know a lot more about Chris Godwin after week one. Like if he doesn't play or if he plays like 20% of the snaps or if he plays a full snap load, I still think there's like a 0% chance he plays a full snap load. That quote sounds like he ain't going to play a full snap load. And it sounds like he's okay with that. Like that's been a part of my analysis with the Bucks all, all along, which is, I mean, shoot, like, what do they need him to play week one for? Like they probably can win this division without giving a full, full show effort early on in the season. Like you signed Julio Jones. Like if Julio Jones is ever going to play a big role, it's going to be right away until he starts getting like nagging injuries, stuff like that. So it just feels like it's set up for Godwin to be like a week seven, eight, nine type of guy rather than a week one, two, three guy. And uh, oh, he could be a league winner in the fantasy playoffs. And I could be like, man, I wish I was more patient and held on, you know, and and teams that make it that far are going to be rewarded with, you know, a a monster when it matters most. Very possible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think he's a guy that even if you don't draft him, like maybe try to trade for him the longer that like if frustrations really linger, he's not playing a lot. I'd rather trade for him mid year than have drafted him this year, unless it's in a best ball league. That's a different discussion. All right, that's it for the news. Let's move into our stats of the week here. Um, This first one, interesting to me, uh, Aaron Jones led all running backs that played at least 300 snaps last year with a screen route percentage of 15.4%. Interestingly enough, Dalton, the second place guy, by a decent bit of a gap here, Antonio Gibson, second with 13.9% of his targets were, uh, or routes were a screen route. That is fascinating to me because a couple reasons you I don't know if I can't actually can't remember if we've talked to Aaron Jones I'm so far in the bag for Aaron Jones he was like my favorite second round pick and this was a big reason why but I kind of wanted to get your reaction to Antonio Gibson being second on this list because that was surprising to me that is super interesting and yeah seemingly the team doesn't like him looks for every reason to not treat him that way but yeah apparently uh maybe there's more receiving upside but they brought back McKissick though that doesn't uh help um I, I'm actually gonna hijack the public minutes or talk Aaron Jones specifically go for it because I I've I've have grabbed him in multiple second rounds and I, and I really do I mean his on off splits without Devonte Adams are are super high but um it kind of brings me to a general point that I'm I kind of fearing drafting these running backs. I could see myself just completely giving up on running backs if they're over 25 next year. Um, let's put it. Let's put it this way. Uh, someone tweeted at me and said Dalton Del Don uh, ranks like Leonardo DiCaprio dates, and, and it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny, and I retweeted it. But I, 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 honestly, AJ Dillon four rounds later simply might be the better answer than 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 Aaron Jones in round two. I mean, he's younger, fresher legs, and might just be. 50 50 and he's going four rounds later so I, I do worry that Aaron Jones Leonard Fournette Derrick Henry fell to me in the middle of second round in one league I'm, I'm oh, in wow. on Camara. I'm in on Camara, Eckler and Cook these guys are all secretly 27 years old or older and no running backs finishes the running back one over 25 in like the last six years so I don't know. Maybe uh, a good way of putting this is Javante Williams versus Aaron Jones was a great decision people still have to make in round two and I typically had made Aaron Jones, and I think I'm regretting it. And I'd rather the younger Javante Williams or and or AJ Dillon four rounds later. So, what are your thoughts? Is 27 still fine? And I'm overreacting, or uh, you know, am I too much Leo here? I mean that that Leo thing uh, that killed me. I had to recover from that for for a second there. But uh, yeah, Scott and I did a great breakdown in his article. People should still go check it out on the totally, site about yes. like, the running back. Yes. You know 
danger zone in terms of, there's so many zones with running backs now, but like <laughs> the danger zone of age with running backs. And, you know, yeah, Scott looked at like it really starts to fall off a cliff around like age 27, 28, that that range. And I mean, shoot, you, you just look at the guys that are, like you said, 27 and older this year that we're all into drafting. You know, th that's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow uh, when you think about historically. But I do wonder for these guys like Aaron Jones, like Austin Eckler, you know, that are more past catching backs, like if that might help. Although both of those guys have had, you know, nagging injuries here and there as well. I mean, I think it's just the reality of the running back position. But at the same time, with Aaron Jones, I think because of the um because of the target volume, that that does really make me feel pretty good about him. And I just think he's the most trusted receiving asset. But I don't think you have to be I don't like this is a unique backfield where I don't think you have to like put a flag on one or the other. I mean, I've just he only averaged like 10 carries the final whatever eight games with Dylan sharing the field. It was really low yeah. for a second round pick. You're drafting a, a running back averaging like 10.3 carries or something. But yeah, you're right. Sorry. Continue. No, the, I just think like the infrastructure of this offense is going to change so much without Devontae Adams. Like you take a transcendent talent out of it. Like it, the, the, what happened last year just doesn't really apply like that much because I think they a will run the ball mm -hmm. more. Yeah, that's um, fair. I, I come back. Alan to Lazard the... is hurt. Alan Lazard is in question. Their wide receiver what is... one. I mean, they are done. I mean, they're like, injury. Yeah, super weird there, man. Yeah. Uh, and Bakhtiari on the other, conversely, may be ready for week one. Yes. So both those things are very good news for Aaron Jones and Dylan. 100%. And I just think, like, Aaron Jones to me, you look at the comp, like the guys that were going in the second round, he was a better pick than all of those running backs, pretty much for me across the board but then you look at like where aj Dillon goes in the fifth round or so and he it looks a lot better than all of those running backs that go around there so that's the thing it's like i think those guys are going in the appropriate range and i was okay with drafting either one of those guys when they came up on the board because i really do think this team will throw the ball a lot to their running backs and i think this is one of the rare times where the the two running back offense might actually be a thing because these guys are the best they're they're two of the best offensive players. I think they're probably skill position guys. I think it goes Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, and I think I think there's a pretty decent gap to like totally. Alan Lazard and the boys in, in the wide receiver room. So um, just back to Antonio Gibson though, where are you where do you rank him for Week One? Because we know Brian Robinson unfortunately is going to miss the first four weeks of the season at least. There's the JD McKissick factor, but like this matchup against Jacksonville, that looks like a a pretty decent game to start a running back. Oh, yeah, his ECR is 27. That's way too low. I have him as my RB18. Yeah, I have him as RB18. I mean, he's at home, going to get the, maybe not the passing down work, but certainly the goal line work now as uh, favorites against Jacksonville. So, uh, yeah, I actually think Jacksonville may upset them there. But, yeah, I think Gibson, you should be treating as a top 20 uh, fantasy back this week and in your, in your starting lineups. Yeah, if you punted the running back position and ended up with Antonio Gibson on your teams, like, I think who, you know, have kind of fallen ass backwards into a guy that for the first month of the season actually is going to be a pretty decent fantasy play. And then we'll see with Brian Robinson. Obviously, of course, we hope he gets just gets back and and, get, and gets back to, to feeling pretty good there. Um, all right. Next one up. I thought this was interesting. James Conner averaged 4.5 yards per carry when running into light boxes. 59 percent, 120 overall of his carries were into light boxes. That's six or fewer defenders. He actually ranked pretty, you know, highly. Like I said, overall, 120 carries into light boxes. That was second most in the NFL. I thought this was interesting because a couple things. The one, what is the one thing that people bang on James Conner for besides like injuries, age? It's yards per carry. But so, on these runs where he goes into light boxes, which was the majority of his carries, 59 percent, 
he actually was a very efficient runner with 4.5 yards per carry. It's just like those banger grinder carries and the short yardage that kind of brought down his yards per carry overall. And I think we should expect this to continue in terms of him running into light boxes because we know the Cardinals are going to spread the field. The Chiefs also in a great, pretty decent week one matchup, high scoring game like I'm feeling I'm feeling good about James Conner. This stat actually kind of like assuaged any concerns uh, that I think your yards per carry stuff would have for him. I've been fading James Conner, but at the at the end of the third round with his touchdown upside, and if he is treated also as the passing down back with Chase Edmonds gone, it's going to be to my detriment. I mean, the, the upside is there if he can stay healthy. But um, this excites me more about Eno Benjamin, who I've been getting late in, in as many drafts as possible. It's not great news that the team kept five running backs, but I just there seems to be some excitement, and maybe I'm overrating that one run against the 49ers last year, but I've been in on Benjamin, one of my absolute favorite uh, Flyers uh, backup running backs backs and it works works well with fading Connor but I, I like to hear that uh you know hopefully a lot of light boxes once Benjamin takes over this backfield <laughs> once Benjamin takes over this backfield I mean James Connor like what what is he he's uh James Connor's way way past your age threshold I gotta admit yeah well he's 27 he's actually kind of young for how long he's been in the NFL James Connor but um no surprise to hear your long injury history. And I hope I'm yeah. wrong. I mean, the dude recovered from cancer, a great story. And uh, he's, it seems to me though, every time there's high expectations, the fantasy owner, fantasy managers are, are very disappointed and vice versa. Once you write them off like last year, then he scores 15 plus touchdowns. So this just feels like the year to kind of let someone else draft it, but late third with that upside, it's not like some egregious pick by any means. Yeah. He's just, again, I think he's the, the, the cliff in terms of when running backs start to get pretty dicey. Cause then like, for me, you're there, looking at, yes. you know, Zeke and stuff like that. You're at running back 15, you know, you're, then you start to get into the guys like ETN, Elijah Mitchell, whatever. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's, he was kind of the last guy in that group. And, and I can totally see why he goes ahead of all them without question. Yeah. For, oh, for, for sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure. All right. Let's talk uh top five quarterback scramble percentage. Like, I mean, we talk about quarterback rush attempts all the time. Actually, a lot of, um, you know, what what brings you some value is not necessarily the design runs. It's how often these guys like start taking off and making big plays like this. This is top five in terms of scramble percentage last year. Trey Lance, number one, no surprise, 14.3%. Number two, Justin Fields, 13.9%. Then it comes in Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, and Jameis Winston. Kind of surprisingly. I want to talk Winston in a second, but the gap between Lance and Fields is actually pretty interesting. I know that's what, um, you know, people were bitching about this all last year. They're like, oh, they don't design enough, uh, you know, they don't design enough rush attempts for Justin Fields. It's like, whatever, the real value of it is going to come from his scramble ability. And I did like what I saw in the preseason some of those like boot action plays for Justin Fields. That's really where he's going to make a lot of money. Um, spoiler alert on our bold predictions article. That's going to hit the site probably today as we're recording this. Um, Cause somebody got his answer in late, but I won't say who it just definitely rhymes with cat Marmon. Um, Justin Fields being that close to Trey Lance. Scott actually has his bold prediction as Justin Fields outscores Trey Lance this year. What is your reaction to, to, to that, Dalton, your guy, Trey Lance, uh, Justin Fields? I do think it's interesting how close they are together. Oh, it's not crazy at all. I could easily see it. I mean, Fields has a lot of fantasy upside, too. Just a much tougher situation to overcome. But Lance now is more likely to actually be benched. Lance, as much as I love him, I mean, it's such an unknown. Seventh youngest starting quarterback in NFL history. Has three starts on a football field since 2019. Um, and you look at the pass attempts, too. Basically, um, Mahomes threw as many passes in college in one half as this guy with throwing a season. So, I mean, it's, we're really flying uh, blind here. And, and 
couple couple things here. For on one hand, Trey Lance ran for 1,100 yards in college, and, and Justin Fields is running for like three, four hundred yards, like totally different yeah. there. But there's another argument that Fields just looks like a better, more natural runner, and the Niners don't necessarily want Trey Lance leading the league in scramble percentage. And this whole offseason, they've spent you know, learning the playbook and he's going to be doing more passing and they'll certainly be designed boots. I mean, they would run those with Jimmy, but it, this just highlights all these guys fantasy upside. The Jameis Winston one was really surprised me. He was quietly fourth in EPA per pass last year too, but that's more of a team stat. But yeah, I mean, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, I have Hertz as my number two fantasy QB. Lamar is my number three uh, for this very reason. The, the rushing ability and the rushing upside just really helps for fantasy. Yeah. I just think Justin Fields like, I, obviously there's a lot of questions about the guys they put around him you know of course like freaking byron pringle and equinemius st brown like velas jones whatever but scott's point in his bold prediction piece was like cole Komet might be pretty good like i think darnell mooney is good probably shouldn't be a number one receiver but like between mooney Komet, and then justin fields rushing upside like I mean, there's probably I don't I don't actually think there's any chance that Trey Lance gets benched for Jimmy for performance reasons. Um, I've come around to feeling like I don't think that's going to happen, mainly because like Dalton, if if Kyle Shanahan benches Trey Lance for Jimmy Garoppolo, like if this Trey Lance thing doesn't work out, like it comes back to Kyle Shanahan. Like it, it, he's it, it, he'll he'll be kind of cooked if this Trey Lance thing doesn't work out. Like there's no way he can galaxy brain himself into saving his ass if Trey Lance doesn't work out because like Jimmy gets back out there. And so, people, sorry to cut you off, but people who think that, that Shanahan was talked into Trey Lance do not understand how, how that building works. Let me no. tell you. I mean, John yeah. Lynch doesn't even make the decisions. That's all Shanahan. He put his entire career basically on the line by trading three first round picks. Um, well, he could probably survive that miss. I mean, he people repeat. I don't his know. Winning. People I don't repeat know if his he career. Could Dude, people, yeah, okay, maybe not. Yeah, he put a whole career on the line. You're, you're okay, that, but I love how people repeat his career winning percentage uh, uh, just to, to shit on him when the dude's taken <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo to two of the last three NFC Championship games. Let's, but let's bring up his career winning percentage. But um, uh, yeah, so I, I, I hear you, and I, and I hope you're right. Lance is is not getting benched. But um, yeah, the QB scrambles. You want to let's look, let's look at Week One. Uh, the over unders came out. For, the 49ers do not have a pass catcher uh, uh, over under with more than 50.5 yards. By the way, I, our guy Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk, 50.5 <laughs> yards and Debo below him. Wow, what a shock. The Vegas market, they never get the, I mean, they're, they're always wrong. Anyway, D, yeah, so Debo 48.5 and Kittle 48.5. Could be weather in this game. They face a, a Bears team that you know is now without Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack, so he may need to run a ton in his first start. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're not projecting a lot of passing, uh, at least right away from this San Francisco office. It's going to be very, very run heavy. But yeah, I mean, the bottom takeaway here is that, yeah, I'll get these guys on your fantasy teams if they're, they're all going to run. But um, the Niners, what an unknown. And, and right away, the Bears, two different preseasons here. They took the preseason extremely serious and looked good. The Niners and Shanahan, as usual, didn't at all. Um, and I mean, I mean, this uh, survivor, I got a big buy in here. Who's what's Matt Harmon's super lock. The, the decisions here, Harmon. I mean, I, I could lose right away here. That trip to Vegas, uh, the buy-in was not small. There is not a team favored by more than seven points right now. The Colts has dropped. I mean, it's a wild week one. Do I go down the ship also with my, my Niners? I, 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 I entered a couple entries by the way, so I might have to spread it out here, but, but what do you think? I mean, I, I'm worried. The Niners might lose this game, right? I mean, the bears were, were looked good. They're ready the preseason. The Niners, yeah, they, they took the preseason as a joke, and their their offensive line has serious question marks. Did, number one, I just want to issue a public apology. I didn't mean to turn this into Niners today, but since we're here, we're here. Sorry. Uh, I, I think that when you look at this game, 
I've I said this all along that I still want to bake in the possibility that Trey Lance comes out in week one and just like lights this bitch up. Like that's, I, I do want to bake that in a little bit because, um, and I know you want to bake it in too, brother. So uh, we don't have to, we don't have to say that, but to bring it back to the Shanahan point, like I, I think maybe he'll get another coaching job if this doesn't work out. But like, if he thinks that like hedging his bets with Jimmy Garoppolo, like is going to work out. I, I don't think so. Like, I think he has to make this thing work with Trey Lance. And I just come back to the RG three example, man. I mean, Griffin was certainly a, better prospect than Trey Lance. I mean, he'd won the Heisman. He had all the talent in the world, but they came out in that week one game. I think it was against New Orleans Saints in, in Robert Griffin's rookie year. And they had, again, showed nothing in the preseason, Washington with Mike Shanahan and, uh, and Kyle Shanahan. They come out and just light it up against the Saints in week one. I could see that happening with this Bears defense, which, by the way, like you said, lost to Khalil Mack, lost to Keem Hicks. They're not looking great in the secondary right now. So, um, overall, yeah, I, I, I think, I think you, I think you can get away with the Niners. I can get away with the Niners in this in this game. Okay, all right, I'm, uh, I'm definitely considering. By the way, Trey Lance's uh, ADP has a hundred percent drop two to three rounds in the high stake leagues with the Jimmy Garoppolo signing. It is a hundred percent affected his market value of two to four rounds. So, just just worth noting. I think that's crazy. The only reason I ended up bringing up the Trey Lance not going to get benched thing was that I or that I wanted to say I feel even more confident that Justin Fields is going to play the course of the season. Like they're not benching him for um, Trevor Simeon or whatever. So if you ended up with Justin Fields like your QB two in a super flex league, I think you're in you're feeling pretty good shape, mostly because of this scramble uh, note and the way I think the offense is actually going to work, uh, despite some of the pessimism there we'll see how it goes long term all right dalton and i are going to take a quick break uh after all that niners talk that i'm sure people just absolutely loved when we come back we'll have a few more stats before our week one preview searching for nba playoff coverage we've got you the old man and the three presented by bmw gives you an inside look into the world of sports Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Dalton, this one I thought was interesting, and I know you you love this man coverage, zone coverage stuff that we got from True Media. Shout out to True Media. Uh, according to their metrics, the highest man coverage rate last year among all defenses was the Miami Dolphins, like we talked about earlier with Elijah Moore and Joe Flacco, at 45.7%. What I thought was really interesting is they're the only team over 40% were the Miami Dolphins. Like, I don't know that I have like a singular fantasy take here, but I think this is worth highlighting because I've talked about like man coverage, beating receivers over the years, like being great bets. And I still agree with that. You know, like these guys like Elijah Moore, who I said earlier, historically, those guys do go on to become the stars of the league, but more and more, I want to put the emphasis on these guys that beat zone coverage at a high rate. I think about like Amon Ross St. Brown as a guy like to continue to bet on. There's a reason Cooper Cup, the best zone beating receiver in you know RP history, just had this massive season because of his ability to beat zone coverage. And there's more zone coverage out there than ever. So I just want to highlight that that like there is a different type of receiver archetype that we can bet on because of the way the league is changing in terms of how they play coverage. 
I have a couple thoughts on zone versus man. I love this new stats. Um, I want to disclaimer it with by saying that I'm I have no clue how predictive this is, but there's there's more information we can we can gather now before uh, making decisions. For instance, uh, Mac Jones last year got 7.9 YPA versus zone, 6.9 versus man. So his YPA dropped a full yard versus man. And this week he faces the most man-heavy uh, Miami team. So that's something to pay attention to. One other one I just want to highlight. Uh, Russell Wilson, probably everyone's favorite revenge game Monday night. Uh, he's way up there against man. Uh, his YPA drops from 9.5 to 7.7. .7, still good against zone, but nearly two yards uh, when facing zone. And uh, no team in football played more zone last year than the Seahawks. I, and, and this is where it's interesting to talk about, like, there's different types of zone coverage. There's different types of man coverage. It's not just like uniform across 100%, the board. Yes. But there's a lot of like the, really the system that's kind of taken the league by storm the last couple of years is that like Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley offshoot defense there. Um, a lot of folks are trying to run that, you know, last year, I think the Raiders were a super high zone coverage team as well. We know they were coordinated by Gus Bradley. Who's like kind of the only one running that like Seahawks cover three style um, that took, the league by storm during like the legion of boom era he's going to be running that now in um which i actually don't I, i'm curious to see what the colts defense looks like because you know they signed stefan gilmore who's like been a pure man corner through most of his career but gus bradley runs such like a hyper specific system but maybe he's even at the point where he's evolving and, and you, you mentioned pete carroll that's been like a big theme of the offseason. They bring in like Sean Desai, who ran a similar sort of um too high look with the bears last year i, I think pete is Obviously, they're going through a transition in offense without, you know, damn Russell Wilson. But like, they're also going through a bit of a transition on defense too. And and like, we have to know this stuff when we're making fantasy decisions, like how defenses are structured, because that's a great point about Russell Wilson. Like, great man coverage. I mean, he has two great man coverage beating receivers and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But I, at least in, in you know, obviously in Seattle. But it'll be interesting to see like how that will change with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and even in week one, like the Seahawks might play a, a difference like that too high look, which has been kind of uh, a good way to stop Russell Wilson those deep passes, at least historically. Well, you bring up a couple great points here. One, Russell Wilson's changing teams, so how much did his receivers affect the, that data? Two, coaching changes during the offseason. I'm I'm more ha I'm excited to use this uh, new information, like when we have eight weeks of data this year. You know, like more yeah. more midseason this is comparing, but we can only go off last year now. So you tell me, does this mean Seattle is? Do you think uh, Monday night are they going to going to run uh, less zone coverage? great question i would probably say i bet they'll be slightly less but um i mean their cornerbacks are are rough that's one of the roughest parts of their roster right now so i think they'll probably sit back in zone a, a pretty good amount and look the reality is like if you're pointing out this like man coverage versus zone coverage uh stat you know who definitely knows that is pete carroll like i mean he's seen russell wilson obviously for there's a great piece on espn i haven't read it yet uh but a great kind of breakdown on the the relationship change uh between pete carroll and russell wilson like what went down there i mean i don't know there's there's all this kind of talk that like russ is going to come in there and just fillet the seahawks in week one I'm a little on the other side of that. Where I think this game, I'm not saying the Seahawks are going to win, but I bet, I bet it's going to be more competitive because, you know, they really, they know Russell Wilson. They know him extremely well. And also, like, part of this bet for the Seahawks is that Pete Carroll, John Schneider, and those guys were betting on Russell Wilson being a declining player. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they do play a lot more zone coverage. They are pretty passive. They, like, 
make Russell Wilson try to take the layups in the passing game because he's not a guy that ever really took the layups. I mean, offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, after, after, after offensive coordinator, all tried to make Russell Wilson more of like a layup quarterback, like give him those layups from a system perspective, and he just never takes them. That's my favorite bet week one, by the way, Seahawks plus the points. Um, was that was that the same article you're t- referring to where uh, was it Schneider demanded Drew Locke? Is that, is yes. it that one? Okay. Yeah. Right, nice. So I guess if I'm sitting here saying like these guys are betting on Russell Wilson being a declining player, but like also they still have faith in Drew Locke. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe not the best bet. Maybe not the best bet. All right, let's. But uh, I'm excited for that. For this, for this, uh, to nerd out on on this info oh, moving dude. forward. We'll see. Maybe it's going to be it's horribly non predictive, but uh, I'm definitely going to test it. <laughs> well, I mean, it'll be it'll be good to, good to talk about either way. That is 100 percent for sure. Um, all right, let's move into top seven players in air yard share. Man, uh, when you look at like uh, DJ Moore's just outlook this year from a volume perspective it looks so good he's seventh on this list that's why i made it to top seven this is the top seven justin jefferson calvin ridley whoops terry mclaurin brandon cooks tyra lockett aj brown and dj moore that's the top seven in percentage of their team's air yards dj moore also ranks top five in uh target share among wide receivers last year he also ranks seventh in targets per route run among receivers last year my bold prediction in that piece that I mentioned earlier is that DJ Moore leads the NFL in receiving yards this year. I, I just the more I think about DJ Moore's season this year, the more excited I get. And I, I, I think he's going to be like one of my favorite players to watch in week one just to see how Baker Mayfield and uh, DJ Moore kind of overlap from a chemistry perspective. Absolutely love DJ Moore as my wide receiver nine. Totally agree with you there. Um, first of all, I wish that sites would unify the air yardage stats because they're all just slightly yeah. different, but they're all close enough. So I hear you. A couple, couple that I was going to push back on a couple of these, like McLaurin has to deal with Dotson now. Cooks has to deal with Collins now. And man, Lockett was up there, but so was Metcalf up there. So those two, I guess, just can both eat. Um, but um, yes, I'm totally with you on DJ Moore. And um, two other thoughts. Justin Jefferson's actually might lower his, his in this category here because the Vikings are going to run way more three wide receiver sets. It doesn't mean his stats are going to go down. Um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't reiterate that when sharing the field together last year, Gabe Davis's air yardage <sighs> share was 38% to Diggs' is tw- uh, 32. But, you know, anyway. How d- number one, how dare you? Uh, you? You insulted Terry McLaurin and Stefan Diggs in the same, like, breath there that's i mean you might as well just in, i mean my two dogs are in the room you might as well insult <laughs> them. no i'd never go that far no yeah well i appreciate that and they appreciate that too uh anyways i think it is interesting to bring up the justin jefferson point because this is something i talk about all the time with all these receiver stats whether it's air yards whether it's yards per route run all this stuff like it does get affected by not just your quarterback play, but also the guys that line up around you, you know, the guys that are, are competing for targets. And Justin Jefferson, we all expect to smash this year, right? He was a top five pick in fantasy, but this offense is going to change. Like, I think Adam Thielen still has it. Uh, I think that KJ Osborne can kind of play a little bit. Uh, so all of those guys are going to make noise. And I agree with your point about Terry McLaurin. As much as I love Terry McLaurin, like John Dotson's going to make a dent in, in his air yardage share. I don't think that brings like, I think he's still a fine player this year, but it is just something to note with him. Um, and DJ Moore, man, I, I just think there's a chance that like he has a monster season the more I think about it, just because Baker Mayfield is such a massive, tangible upgrade over guys like freaking Sam Darnold. 
upgrades are relative. You could argue going from the 32nd to the 16th best quarterback. I mean, it's it's like it's it's massive. It's 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 gigantic, and it's being underrated just because Baker Mayfield's an average NFL quarterback. But going from the stone worst to average is a big big difference. And I expect more. Hopefully, Moore is also used more in the red zone. Uh, I'm I'm all over yeah. him. I, I love it. I'm with you here, DJ Moore to the moon this year. Yeah, I, I agree with you that like going for and Darnold literally is like the worst quarterback in the NFL. Like since he's since he's been starting like from a, a adjusted yards per attempt, yards per attempt, stuff like that. Like he has been the worst of the worst. And yeah, Mayfield gets a bad rap because his team give gave up on him. But he is like a former number one overall pick that has shown promise in the league. Like this is not like I, I've said the gritted teeth with like Allen Robinson and you know Nick Foles, Andy Dalton. That's the best. Like th- at this point of his career, Baker Mayfield still has plenty of upside. He's not like a you know, relative upside. He's not like a Nick Foles or Andy Dalton, like haggard veteran solution trying to save an Allen Robinson. Um, I, I don't know that Baker Mayfield is going to be like a solution for the Panthers or anything, but he's absolutely going to be, um, you know, a tangible upgrade for this team. The excuses I, don't think are mar- I know he benefited from play action, but played with a torn leg from last year. And I get 33% of his games have been in windy conditions, uh, Baker Mayfield. And I'll tell you real quickly uh, how much I like DJ Moore. I'd really hammer the point. Uh, I've even t- been drafting him above, uh, above, ahead of Gabe Davis in PPR leagues. <laughs> That's how much I like him. Good. Good. That's the correct decision, Dalton. You should be drafting DJ Moore ahead of, of Gabriel Davis. I, I, I just think he's a guy that, like, if you do rest of season rankings, after week one, you know, in this uh, this hammer fest that Baker Mayfield is going to bring on the Browns or whatever, uh, he could be a guy that we see those target totals, we see the efficiency there. He could be a guy that rises up into, like, the top. Uh, you've already got him at wide receiver nine, but I think from, like, a consensus standpoint, it could be closer to, like, five, six, seven rest of season rankings, wide receivers. I just think some some point DJ Moore is going to have a massive season. I just want to be kind of ahead of the curve on that one. All right, let's move into it. We've You've mentioned Gabe Davis a hundred times. Let's get into the Bills at Rams preview here. It's the first game of the season. Dalton, number one, I'm just so gassed up that a real game is actually going to happen. Me too. I sold more shorties. My wide receiver eight. I was looking at weekly rankings now. Too many, uh, too many rankings. I'm so excited, Harmon. Gabe Davis gonna flop in prime time. Uh, it's gonna be great. Um, I have one one final more uh, thing to tell you here. So prime time drafts in NFFC are being held this week. It's about a two thousand dollar entry fee. This is as high stakes as it gets in our industry. And over the last two days, about five drafts, Gabe Davis's ADP is twenty seven point seven. Guess who's oh, guess whose ADP is one spot behind him at 28? Who? Mike Evans? Mike Evans, dude. I came out with a bold predictions piece I wrote like four days ago saying Gabe Davis is going to finish in more fantasy value than Mike Evans and Debo Samuel. And now it's like not I, I'm, I'm picking the guy who has a higher ADP in the higher stakes league. So um, I, I don't want to just I don't know what to tell you other than uh, Gabe Davis is going to score double digit touchdowns this year. God, God bless you, Dalton. God bless you. Uh, but I will say, if you are worried, like I wouldn't be too worried about him flopping in in, in prime time. Oh, it's uh, coming! Gabe it's Davis. coming! I've ran my mouth too much. I, I've already seen the writing's on the wall. It's it's, it's happening. I love Isaiah yeah. McKenzie out of the slot, man. He the the something like seventeen targets per game or something wild uh, uh, last year. The slot in Buffalo uh, produced, and now Cole Beasley's obviously gone. So, man, I mean, he, Josh Allen highest target rate to the slot too. too. So, yeah, I lo- love McKenzie here too. We can talk some Yahoo DFS prices too if you want. Yeah, well, first thing I'll just note about these receivers is against the Rams secondary, like the we they have Jalen Ramsey, who's the best, you know, cornerback in the NFL, but he certainly moves around the formation a lot. He played a lot of slot last year in that star position in that defense. I, I, I don't 
there were times last year, including in like high leverage games, like um, against Mike Evans in the playoffs where they, you know, use Jalen Ramsey to kind of track Mike Evans a little bit, but I'm not convinced that they do that with Stefan Diggs, like that they just stick Ramsey on Diggs in this game. That's just really not how they operated last year. And that brings me to like the point about the perimeter corners on, on this team are not great. Like they lost a uh, Darius Williams to free agency to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, Williams is whatever player, but like you just look at this Rams roster and I'm, you know, excited about the Rams this year. Obviously I think they've got a, you know, a, a good shot to win the NFC West to go back to the playoffs, all that type of stuff. But there are certain areas of the roster where they're sort of paying for the sins of, uh, of, of, a, of going in all in on the Super Bowl last year, of course, like, and cornerback is one of them. The secondary is one of those spots where they might not be at their strongest. So that could easily be um, – uh, Gabe Davis could have that monster game in week one. It, it could absolutely happen where, like, you and the Gabe Davis bros are taking the victory lap, not the uh, – and, again, I'm a centrist. So the folks on the other end of the extreme that really hate Gabe Davis, they might – I don't think they're taking their victory lap in week one. Man, I'd love to hear Diggs talk about him uh, with your interview. Um, <laughs> he, he's a fan too. But, yeah, yeah. This is going to be a high-scoring game. Should be a fun one. Could go. We, the first game of the year could go down as the best game of the year. I mean, Buffalo defense is just getting automatically drafted first in fantasy leagues. I guess simply because they scored the most fantasy points last year. Um, but um, uh, White is going to is not ready for the start of the season. They benefited from facing a ton of bottom of the barrel quarterbacks last year. When they faced top fifteen quarterbacks, they were lit up. Um, so personally, I mean, maybe I'm a homer, but I like the 49ers fantasy defense better. I mean, I like their schedule way better. They just look absolutely loaded. Um, so I, I, I don't know why the bills are just getting reflexively drafted first in most fantasy leagues. Um, so I think it's gonna be a high scoring game. Love everyone involved. Maybe if you're really looking for someone cheap, uh, Ben Skorinek with Je Van Jefferson, unlikely to play is the DFS minimum salary 10. Um, yeah, high scoring game, uh, 52 is the over under. You know, I didn't set out to draft Daryl Henderson on seemingly every single one of my fantasy teams, but draft rooms pushed me that way. I mean, when Akers going seven rounds earlier, I will take Henderson happily when I rank them back to back. So I uh, hope, hope Henderson does well just for my season-long teams. But um, do you have any, uh, as far as DFS thoughts, looks like McKenzie at 14. I know it's half PPR in Yahoo, but that's still affordable. Still. Gabe Davis at $22, how uh, he's going to be rostered in 101% of, of, the, of the tournament, it looks like, with that. Oh, even Allen Robinson at 15. Mm, he's even bigger bargain dude yeah slam dunk Allen robinson we'll come back we'll come back to the rams passing game in a minute i did want to focus on that backfield like you talked about like this again we'll get with a lot of these week one games we're just going to get answers to these questions that we were you know, pondering all off season and i feel like the, the rams running back rotation is going to be a big one i mean i cam Akers he's he's confident right like he's talked about that he's ready he's healthy he knows that doesn't matter but shoot man if they come out there and you know give daryl henderson like the majority of the carries the majority of i mean i think he's definitely going to get the passing down work over cam Akers. like right that that's going to be it's, it's a big that's a big one and and i will say to your point about the bills defense they're probably still better as a run defense than a than a pass defense based on the injuries right now but still, I think that Daryl Henderson's a guy that, I mean, I don't know that he's like a must start in this game, but he's certainly kind of on like the yeah. flex radar. 
But just season long term, like this guy averaged a crazy high yards per carry in college. It can't stay healthy, but when on the field, he's pretty productive. And Cam Akers ranked dead last among 105 running backs in rush yards over expectation returning from that. The next running back that's successful, I understand Dante Foreman's in the league still, but the next running back that returns successfully from Achilles will be the first. So, And you even said Daryl Henderson's already the primary receiving back. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I would try to avoid both if, in fantasy leagues uh, week one. Hopefully your team uh, can, can avoid that if possible and you know Andy Barons I heard him hype up Kyron Williams on this podcast but I'm in this deep 20 team league with him and and I have Henderson uh, and he he drafted Snoop Connor over Williams so everything (laughs) Barron says over Williams is fraudulent because I mean come on I was so happy that he let uh, let Williams fall to me to back up uh, Henderson there as as I'm sure Akers went five rounds uh, too soon earlier number one 20 team fantasy league my God, you you guys need to get a life. Uh, but number two, uh, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> number two, uh, yeah, Andy Barons. That's a. I'm glad you called him out on that. We'll uh we'll make sure to bring that up with Andy. It was necessary. Uh, it was I definitely necessary. It ha- it had to be done. Did you see that shirt he's rocking in his uh bold or his like a uh, conviction picks thing? The guy's like uh guy's clearly not not season ready. He's like wearing some Hawaiian shirt in there. He's still. He still wants to be he's out still there on vacation. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's still, still on vacation, man. Yeah, yeah. He's not he's not ready to rock. He's not ready to yeah. rock, that's for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do like that point though, just about this Rams backfield overall. Um, I think that Daryl Henderson is a guy is a, is an interesting guy to bet on. And your point about Dante Foreman, like it took him forever. Like he's still playing in the league, but it took him forever to look like good and get real reps after that Achilles injury. So there's a lot of guys, obviously, um, my guy, Sterling Shepard, my guy, uh, not my guy, but James Robinson, like all of these guys coming back from Achilles injuries. We'll see. And of course, and it Cam seems Akers specifically well. running back to be clear. It seems specifically, yes. specifically, it just seems like it really affects the running back position, uh, you know, the most. I actually can't think of any, I'm sure there are examples that are just not they're just slipping my mind right now in terms of like Achilles injuries at wide receiver. I can't really remember any, but I'm sure there's been some uh, that, that we just like don't study as closely as this running back position one. Let's bring this back around to the Rams passing game. I mean, 15 bucks for Allen Robinson and Yahoo DFS. I mean, give me a break. That's insane. Van Jefferson looks like he's not going to play. You mentioned Ben uh, Skoranek for sure is like maybe that he's like kind of their bigger, like better blocking receiver. And then Tutu Atwell, who did get some decent. I know Tutu Atwell is like a, a joke, but um, he, he did get some decent reviews in the offseason as well. So that'll be interesting to kind of see who fits in as that wide receiver three if Jefferson doesn't play. But I think it just brings more back to Allen Robinson. It brings more back to Cooper Cup. And the Bills roster looks awesome. It looks loaded for a Super Bowl run. I can't believe I saw NFL game day did a NFL Network's game day show did like a season preview. And literally every single person on the panel picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl. I mean, talk about just like cursing, cursing the, the poor Buffalo Bills. But this Bills secondary with Tredavious White out and just, you know, some of the younger guys back there, their pass rush is going to get a boost from former Ram Von Miller playing, but that secondary looks ripe for attacking. Yeah, I, I hear you about the Atwell. There was some positive reviews, but I've read more lately and it was more negative. I think he's just simply too small to beat press coverage. And even McVay, yeah. 
even McVeigh had a, a quote that was pretty much not great. I would say Skoranek or even that Lance Mc, McCutcheon, if he's active, yeah, has a better true. chance of catching a touchdown than Atwell does. Uh, should be su- such a fun game. Like I said, it could go down as one of the best games of the season. Um, you got to make a pick here. I'd probably take the home dog and the points, but should be a fun one that comes down to the very end and a lot, hopefully a lot of passing. Uh, yeah, start all the start all the pass catchers in, in this game because even on the flip side, who are you going with the Buffalo backs? You know, I mean, Singletary. That's a great question I was going to ask. I you. mean, that's you know that's tough too. You might be looking at Cook getting the reception, Singletary getting the trap carries in the twenties, and Moss getting the goal line carries. That would be a fantasy nightmare. The Rams in recent years have been one of those teams. It's like, just come on, go ahead and run on us. Like we don't, we don't mind because you're not going to beat us over the top. You're not going to, you're not going to take those big shots against the secondary. And I mean, they have Aaron Donald up front. So that's a pretty good bet. Uh, Totally fine with that. But I I feel like Devin Singletary, if you have him, you're, and you have to start him in week one, your team is probably not in a great spot, but if you did punt the running back position, like I did on a few teams and you ended up with Devin Singletary. I don't think he's the worst play in week one. Cause I, I think he probably still has the top job locked down. Um, but I'm, I'm not bullish on, on that at all, obviously. Yeah. In terms of a pick, I would, I would take the Rams to the points. I would take the Rams to the points in this one. Uh, I mean, I know the bills are, are highly favored. And I I'm in on them. Uh, shout out to Steph Diggs for his interview on the podcast where he, I'm sure he made you feel really great about Gabe Davis and stuff. But uh, yeah, overall, I think the, the I'll take the Rams to the points in this one. Yeah, should be a fun game. Pumped up, Harmon. It's finally here. Football, the real games, finally, finally counts, man. I know. We'll have so much more to react to once we actually get the games. I can't wait. Uh, it's just, oh God, what a great time of year. We literally are going to watch a real football game Best. tomorrow, and it's like full of like a ton of fantasy, full of a ton of fantasy stars and guys that we all like fought about all offseason. Well, I, I didn't fight with people on Twitter, and Dalton doesn't fight with people on Twitter because we're grounded, centered uh, human beings with uh with so many real life things to do but a lot of fantasy uh wars were spent over gabe davis over alan robinson at different types of the year so this should be a pretty fun one to watch all right that's going to do it for us you can follow dalton on twitter at dalton del don you can follow me at matt Harmon underscore byb and while you're there make sure you're following at yahoo fantasy if you like the show how could you not like the show? Make sure to leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I will be back tomorrow with Scott to preview the week one games coming up. Oh, my God. So many games to preview. How exciting. Until then, we're out.